0: Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. Hope you guys had a great Memorial Day weekend. We are back in the book of John. Today we're studying chapters nine and 10. It's some really good stuff. We're talking about the man who was born blind and Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. And we're talking about the parable of the good shepherd. Hey, everyone. Hey, Anna. Hey. Did you have a good Memorial Day weekend?
1: Yeah, it was great. We didn't do much. We were just here, Um, but it was fun to be home. I feel like we're gone a lot of weekends, so it was nice just
0: to have a weekend at home. What about you? I had a great one. I'm in St. Simons visiting my grandparents. We've been here for a couple weeks and a couple of my friends from home came and visited so we didn't have great weather which was a bummer but we had a lot of fun
1: and you released an album oh yeah (laughs) literally huge deal it
0: feels like a hundred years ago and yesterday i did release an album on friday it's
1: a big deal and it's so good y'all i was listening to it all weekend oh i really was it was on repeat so y'all should go listen to it because it's really good
0: It's called Highs and Lows, and it's an album with songs on it that I've written over the past several years. A lot of them I wrote, yeah, I guess during lockdown, Everett
1: was like, are these about Michael? I was like, half of these are breakup songs,
0: Everett. No. They're not. And I tried for the first time, really, to write songs that were not exactly about my situation, but about things that maybe I've been through before or people I know have been through. So it was really, really fun writing them and recording them. But Well, it's really good. Thank you. Anyway, I am excited to pick up at John chapter 9. And before we do that, I'm going to say a quick prayer for us to get our hearts ready to receive whatever God wants to do through these chapters today. God, we love you so much. And we are dedicating this summer to be in your word and looking closer at your heart and what you want us to know about you. And so I pray that today you would just reveal yourself to us and that you would be near to us and that whatever we take from this devotional time, that it would be directly from you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, Okay, guys, so (laughs)
1: we were supposed to do Chapter 9 last week, and last week was a doozy, so we're doing Chapter 9 this week, Chapter 9 and 10. Yep. So how Emily and I have kind of been splitting it up is I'll primarily study one chapter, and she'll primarily study another, and so this week I got to study Chapter 9, and... There's just some really cool um, themes and just things that we learn about Jesus, about his heart for us and his desire to be near us and to care for us. So before we even get there, Emily, will you do a quick summary of what we talked about last week? Just like real quick.
0: Yes, I will. So chapter eight, we talked a little bit about the woman who was caught in adultery. And that's a story that we've talked about several times. Anna talked about it at one of our worship nights. And then we also talked about it during the women in the Bible series, but this time we sort of took a different approach and we looked a little bit more at Jesus's response to the Pharisees and the conversation that they have. We talked a little bit about legalism and Jesus's heart to be the light of the world. And Mm -hmm. he wants us to be free. He pursues us to not only just follow the rules, but actually have a change of heart
1: Yeah, it was a big one. And we left Jesus in Jerusalem. He was there for the Feast of the Booths or the Tents. And he's still there. He's still in Jerusalem. And where we're picking up the story is that um, it says that Jesus passed by. This is chapter 9. I'm just going to read the first seven verses. It says, as he passed by, he being Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, a.k.a. he rubbed the mud on the guy's eyes, and he said, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I love this story, y'all we see Jesus and we see his disciples. And the first thing I want to kind of go over is the disciples question at the beginning. Um, because I think that can feel a little bit confusing. So Emily, will you reread their question in verse two?
0: Yeah. So they said teacher or rabbi who sent this man or his parents that he was born blind. Yeah.
1: We obviously know now that it's not because of sin that somebody might be born blind or that somebody might be born with a disability. But in those days, they they believed that like if you messed up, if you did something wrong, um, if you broke any of the rules or the laws, it, that could be one of the effects, is that you could be, become blind or you could have a baby that was born blind. And so this man would have been unclean, Um And also his parents probably would have had a lot of shame around that and around the fact that he was born blind. Um, Society was telling them that it was the man's fault that he was born blind. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's actually for my glory. And that gets into like a whole nother um, discussion that we're honestly not going to get into today because it's, that's a hard one is why do bad things happen and Uh, we believe that the Lord works all things for good. And we see that specifically in this story with the man who's born blind. He was blind, but because of that, he gets to meet Jesus and have like an intimate, (laughs) um, encounter with him. Very. Yeah. So it says that Jesus goes and heals him. Um, I kind of like, it's almost like an interactive miracle. Jesus spits in the mud and then makes a paste. (laughs) So gross, makes a paste. And then puts it on the guy's eyes and he sends him, he says, go wash in the pool. And then it says that the man comes back seeing. So that's crazy. This is like, I mean, I can't imagine witnessing that.
0: I think that the pool of Siloam, Mm -hmm. in my study Bible, it said that that would have been near that area where they filled up the jars for the cleansing rites, like the spiritual cleansing. And so it's kind of cool because one of the things that Jesus is showing them here is that you've been cleaning in these things and never been hmm. healed. But if if you come through me, like it kind of like we talked about a lot, Jesus has come to fulfill the yeah. law, to complete it. And so the law is not bad, but without Jesus, it just doesn't affect your yeah. heart. And so I think that's cool because he's actually showing him me plus that equals hmm. healing.
1: That is really cool. I hadn't thought about that before. I didn't know that. And it's amazing. Like Jesus, the rebel that he is, we find out later that he that he's doing this on the Sabbath. Um, and yep. of course the Pharisees. I feel like I'm learning more about the Pharisees this time around reading through John than I ever have before. Like I haven't really ever focused on too. them that much. Um, but I was listening to a sermon from John Piper actually about chapter 9 and one thing that he said which is so true like this miracle of Jesus healing the blind man is really short the actual account of the healing is really short it's just the first seven verses but then we get the rest of the chapter is about five different conversations that happen after the man is healed and in those conversations we see this man's faith in Jesus grow and completely change and the Pharisees faith continue to decrease and John Piper highlighted it as he was saying the man is going from yes he was obviously physically healed from his blindness but he's also becoming spiritually healed from his blindness and the Pharisees are becoming more blind to who Jesus is because they're becoming more entrapped and encased in their own self-righteousness,
0: and in their own desire to follow the oh. rules. And wow, just to look at that for a second and apply it to our own lives, it's a picture of how easy it can be to miss the mm-hmm. point, to be so concerned with being able to save yourself, to follow the rules and be good enough that you actually miss yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's so true. You know what I mean?
1: And like... I don't know. Just thinking about that saying where like if you're sailing, I don't sail, but my mom knows how to sail. And if you're like one degree off from your destination, if you don't correct that over the course of time, like you'll just be completely off. Like you could end up in a completely different place than where you were aiming to get to just by one degree. So even for our own lives, like, where are we allowing our hearts and our minds and our eyes to be focused on? Because if it's not Jesus, if it's something that feels like it could be Jesus, but it's maybe a little bit off, like, ultimately, we're still going in the wrong direction. Like, we want to be pointed at Him directly and looking at Him directly and not at the other things around us.
0: Right. Because even just good morals or doing the right thing or being a good person or being kind all of those things outside of Jesus are empty to a certain degree. And totally. he, he's saying, I want your heart yes. and, and I want to give you the fullest life and I want to heal you and I want to breathe life into your religion. Because I think that like Jesus wants us to experience the fullness of what the law was meant to do, like the ways yeah. it was meant to make us like God. You know what I mean? I think that's what he's
1: trying to highlight here too is like, hey – the Sabbath is for healing. Like rest is a healing right. thing. Our bodies yes. need, need rest. And so like the Pharisees had become so caught up in all of the rules that honestly it probably wasn't restful. You know when you're so like wound up and like stressed almost? Yeah, I imagine that Jesus is coming to be like, hey, no, on the Sabbath, your body, your mind, your soul is healed and it's reset. And it's like looking back to me. And the Sabbath, I mean, we've mentioned it a lot throughout this study of John, but it was a, literally a whole day that was set aside to rest. Like, And that's why it had become so legalistic because then the Pharisees and different Jewish leaders had decided, okay, well, what is resting? And okay, if, right. you, if you pick this thing up, that's not resting. You can't even pick that up. And um, Jesus is coming back to remind them like, no, 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 no. The Sabbath is for healing and it's for spiritual and mental healing. So, anyways, yeah. we're not going to read the entire chapter of 9 because it's really long, but I do want to summarize five conversations that happen because it's really cool just to see this man as he kind of journeys through I don't know if it's a day, I don't know the timeline, but um we'll say his day after being healed. So, it says that he went and washed and came back seeing And the first conversation we come across is the man, and he's talking to his neighbors. And the neighbors come up to him, and they're like, are you the same beggar who was blind? They're arguing about if it was actually him or not, and he's like, yes, it's me. I'm the guy. I was blind. (laughs) And they're like, okay, well, how can you see now? The man who was born blind says, well, this guy, Jesus, he told me to go wash in the water, and I was healed. And obviously the neighbors are pretty distraught about this. So then they bring the man to the Pharisees. And of course, the Pharisees are not excited about what's going on. Yeah. They ask the man, how did you gain your sight? And the man responds and tells them that Jesus put mud on his eyes and he said, wash and go see. And they ask the man after he's told them this, they say, who do you think he is? And the man then says, he's a prophet. Mm, So we're watching his faith grow. So first he says to his neighbors, this guy, Jesus. Now he's telling the Pharisees, well, he's a prophet. And so then the Pharisees are mad. They want to,
0: like, confirm that he is actually blind and that it's not a ruse. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. They're like, all right, we got to make sure this is what actually happens. So they go find the guy's parents, and they're like, is this your son? Was he actually blind? How did this happen? How can he see now? And the parents are like, yes, he's our son. And it tells us, which just makes me kind of sad. Like, it says that they were afraid of the Pharisees. Because they could be kicked out. Yeah, they're afraid of losing their social standing. Like, in those days, guys, religion, like, especially in Jewish culture, like, that was all you had. Um, it wasn't like you had anywhere else to go. And so they were afraid of the Pharisees because they didn't want to be kicked out. And they say to the Pharisees, just go ask him, like, he's old enough. He can, he can answer for you. That leads us to the fourth conversation where the Pharisees go back to the blind man. And they say, "How did this happen?" And verse 25, the man responds to the Pharisees and he says, "Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see." And the Pharisees continue to question him, and it ends with the guy saying to them, "Do you also want to be one of his disciples?" I <laughs>
0: That's sassy. So now, this
1: yeah, he is. It is kind of sassy, and it's almost just like earnest too. Like it's really cool to see the fact that he is now proclaiming to be one of Jesus' right. disciples. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow this guy. Like where he goes, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna follow him. And as a result, y'all, you know, the Pharisees decide to cast him out. Yeah. Um, it tells us at the very end that. You were born in utter sin. This is what the Pharisees say to the man. Would you try to teach us? And it says, and they cast him out. And it's we were talking about this before we started recording, but it's crazy to think about like him receiving his sight, maybe thinking to himself, I could be now. I can be a part. I can be a part of it. You know, like I can be a part of what I've been missing out on my entire life.
0: But he chooses Jesus.
1: hearts are so hard yeah and they cast him out and he he decides yeah to continue to say no 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 i'm gonna follow this guy and the last conversation which this is my favorite part of the whole story because it could end there and it would be really sad if it did emily will you read it verses 35 through 38
0: Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him.
1: It's amazing. A couple things in this passage. One, it says that Jesus heard that he had been cast out. So, like... Word was spreading about yeah. the the miracle. Word was spreading about probably some of the conversations. And then word had finally spread about the fact that this man had now been cast out of society. But Jesus goes and finds him. I, I love that John highlights that. That it doesn't say, and then they ran across each other again. Or like, and then he saw him at the pool. You know, like... It says that Jesus goes and finds the man. Finds him. And then the last thing is we see this guy fully say, Jesus is Lord, and that he falls down and worships him. It's amazing. It's beautiful to watch his faith completely grow and change.
0: I think it is too. Mm. Like I I love what it stands for in that day, and I love reading it in context of learning who Jesus is. But also, what's your takeaway from Mm -hmm. this story? Is there something small or big? It doesn't have to be a lot, but just a little something that you learned from that as you were studying it this time?
1: Yeah, I feel like the main thing for me, it's almost an emotion that's hard to put into words, but feeling like reassurance that no matter what, Jesus is with me and he's for me. I've been reading this book Life of the Beloved. And it's so good. It's so good. And the chapter I was reading this morning was talking about how God has literally chosen us and He will stand by us and He believes in us. I feel similar emotions when reading that this morning and also talking about this particular chapter this afternoon, just feeling like no matter what happens, like no matter what the world throws at me or what my friends or family or people I don't know say or believe about me, Jesus says that I'm chosen and that I'm worth it and that I can't get away from him. Like I'm not going to slip into the crowd and he's going to forget about me. Right. I feel like that has been what stands out. It's like warm. Like I feel warm when I'm
0: reading this. It's hard to explain. Like feeling safe with him. And isn't it interesting too, here's one thing I've been taking away I agree with you that I've been learning a lot about the Pharisees through this as well. And I think if you're anything like me, sometimes when I see things happen through the church that aren't the heart of God, or when I see people who have a bad experience with, they think God because they have a bad experience with people who are trying to follow God, but they're just, you know, sinful like all of us. And It gives them this bad idea about God. Hmm. This sort of, this whole story sort of gives me hope about that because ultimately encountering Jesus is that warm feeling of being chosen and seen and fought for and found and belonging. And encountering religion outside of Jesus, like one where the heart of Jesus isn't in it, is like, facing judgment and being told that you don't belong or that you'll never be enough. And so I just want to say that I hope that's also what you're seeing, anyone who's listening, as you're reading this, is that not necessarily to point fingers and blame people who don't have it right, but really more so to continue chasing after the heart of God, which is Mm -hmm. to be in a relationship with us and to tell us that we're his children, that he loves us.
1: Yeah. And it's a reminder, like, I, before I moved to Atlanta and started working at a big church down there, I remember my dad, who's worked in full-time ministry, he's been a pastor for, I mean, most of my life, and he, like, pulled me aside. He came to church with me my first Sunday in Atlanta to the church I was going to be working at, and at the end, I'll never forget this, he was like, Anna, just remember, like, church is is run by sinful people and that's okay like give yeah. each other grace and give the people around you grace and when it fails you remember that it's sinful people and it's not necessarily a reflection of Jesus yeah and that that's has so just good. remained more true and true and true because the church while it's an am- amazing institution and we highly highly recommend Going to church, like get plugged into a church, get plugged into a community. It's so important. But also, if you've been hurt or burned by the church in the past, just know that that's not necessarily a reflection of Jesus. Right.
0: At the end of the day, we can't idolize other people. We have to put Jesus in that position over our lives rather than people. So I actually think this is a really good segue into chapter 10. We're talking about the good shepherd. So this is a parable. And if you have never heard of a parable before, it's Jesus teaching through a story. He taught this way a lot. He'll tell a whole story. He'll paint this image and then he'll have a lesson in it. I'm going to read some of this. Um, And I'm actually going to read it in the Passion Translation. This whole time I've been studying John, I've been reading it in both. And most of the time, I actually really like the ESV better. But for this, I, I really liked the little extras that this translation throws in. So this is the Passion Translation, John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen to this eternal truth. The person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen rather than coming through the gate reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. But the true shepherd walks right up to the gate and because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in and the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd for he calls his own by name and leads them out for they belong to him. And when he's brought out all his sheep, he walks ahead of them and they will follow him for they're familiar with his voice, but they will run away from strangers and never follow them because they know it's a voice of a stranger." Jesus told the Pharisees this parable, even though they didn't understand a word of what he meant. So Jesus went over it again. I speak to you eternal truth. I am the gate for the flock. And those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the sheep never listened to them. I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy But I came to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullest until you overflow. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep. But the worker who serves only for wages is not a real shepherd because he has no heart for the sheep and he'll run away and abandon them when he sees the wolf coming. And when the wolf mauls the sheep, drags them off and scatters them. I alone am the good shepherd and I know whose hearts are mine for they recognize me and know me just as my father knows my heart and I know my father's heart. I'm ready to give my life for the sheep. I love this so much and let me tell you a couple of reasons why it's been hitting home for me as I've been studying this parable again. I listened to a couple sermons. I love it when people know more than me. I just love like me too. listening. <laughs> Tim Keller has helped me understand so much more about the context of the Bible and his teachings have meant so much to me. And I don't know if y'all know this, but he actually passed away last week. And so Anna and I have both been sad about that, but also just so grateful for the resources on his website. So if you haven't, you can listen to sermons there. But I was listening to one of his sermons and he was talking about the fact that a shepherd in those days would have actually been really, really different from somebody who keeps sheep now. He would have actually lived with the sheep. So he basically would sleep with them. He would lead them out of the gate, show them exactly where to go, exactly what to eat. Because if someone isn't there taking care of them like that, they'll die. (laughs) So it's so purposeful and not exactly flattering that Jesus keeps calling us sheep (laughs) it's definitely not sheep are
1: like (laughs) so dumb
0: yeah like they're dumb but in
1: a sweet way yeah
0: in a really sweet way that's the thing it's like he said Tim Keller was saying that there are wild animals of almost every other kind like there are wild goats there's wild horses there you know whatever but there aren't any wild sheep (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> because
0: Interesting. they just they like make it. <laughs> yeah. When they aren't being told what to do, they'll eat poisonous plants. They will like, I don't know if you've seen that. Um There's this pretty funny TikTok that I have watched a bunch. Cause it makes me giggle, but <laughs> there's like this sheep that is stuck. There's like the pasture on the left side and on the right side, there's the road. And in between the two, there's a, a long skinny trench. And you can tell that the sheep has gotten stuck head first, down in the trench. And so this person is pulling as hard as they can. They get him out, finally, and he looks like so relieved. He starts bouncing along the road and jumps straight back into the trench. No! (laughs) And I think that that that's a pretty good picture of what sheep are like. And so I want to lean in a little bit to what does it look like to truly internalize that we are like sheep and that the mm. the one who created us and knows us the very best is trying to kindly tell us, hey, I'm here for you every step of the way. I am your shepherd and I'm literally willing to lay down my life for you, but you are like sheep. <laughs> so what does yeah. it look like for us to accept that about ourselves and take action accordingly to let him guide us in a way that leads us to life rather than constantly going back to the things that will just hurt us or lead us astray. I loved what you said earlier, Anna, about if there's a sheep that Mm -hmm. is particularly prone to go off course and and stray away from the group, then shepherds will sometimes have to break their legs.
1: Yeah. So sad. They'll break one leg.
0: So they can't get away, and then they'll bind it back up so it'll heal the right way, but they'll carry them over their shoulders until it's healed. And then after it's healed, they've spent a lot of extra time with the shepherd, and so they have this bond that makes that sheep not want to go far away anymore. I thought that was just such a good picture. I mean, I think we have to face it at this point. I don't know what your life has looked like so far. Maybe if you're still in college, like you're still – Early in your mistakes or like early in your (laughs) bumpy road. But if any of you guys have made like mistakes or maybe even the same mistake multiple times, maybe you're starting to see and get the idea that, oh, wait, I sometimes can't be trusted or I Hmm. really do have this tendency in me to be broken. And so once you realize that more and more, and I promise you realize it more as you get older and older. Yeah, you'll realize more and more your need for God and feel so much more warm and safe when you start to rely on Him. And one of the things that I was thinking that I have noticed about myself this summer, so you know that we're preparing this podcast for y'all every week, and we're reading through the book of John and studying it and telling it back to you and discussing it together. But I've realized that I tend to put it off until the day before and then I'll study in long spurts and I'll feel so great when we're talking about it, so great when I'm studying it. And then I might let three or four days go by before I start studying the next chapter again. And I don't know, it's not like I'm majorly off course or anything like that, but I already feel like Every single day that goes by that I wake up and don't have a quiet time or don't study the word again, I can feel it in my spirit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So, here's just an encouragement to I guess remind yourself that you're a sheep. Maybe like look for evidence in your life as you as you're going through <laughs> your life and be like, "Oh, I am a sheep." And when you come to that realization, then I think maybe you're ready to take some steps to let God be a good shepherd to you. Yeah. When you brought up the shepherd
1: breaking the sheep's leg, thinking about that, I think what's really important to highlight about that, it kind of ties back into the man being born blind and how sometimes things in our life happen that are really hard and that feel really confusing. And maybe you're not at a place right now to look at it this way yet. But more often than not, God is trying to use those things to turn you back to him and maybe to protect you from something else. Right. That That's a really hard truth and it's not one that's really easy to digest, especially if you're in the middle of that type of storm or broken leg or whatever we want to call it, um, whatever analogy we want to use. There's a lot of different analogies for hard, hard times in life, but... The reality is that Jesus is carrying you on his shoulders. That's like the closest place you can be, you know? You're cared for. It doesn't mean that that little sheep's leg didn't hurt. I'm sure it still hurt as he was being carried, you know? But God is caring for us even when it's hard. And ultimately, he's trying to draw us back to him and to protect us and to keep us close to him.
0: I think that thinking about sheep... And what it means to remember how fully we are sheep and how fully he is a good shepherd to us. It means being willing to obey him and follow him Mm -hmm. in every single area of our lives. So Tim Keller was saying that if a sheep is abandoned, then they will die. They won't eat the right things. They'll eat poisonous plants. They'll wander off. They'll get killed by predators. They, They will have this look about them. They won't think, yay, I'm free they will be like, wait, where do I go? What do I do? What do I eat? Help. And then before you know it, they're dead. Right. And so I just think that it's so important to take that to heart in this specific way. God wants to be involved and Mm -hmm. in charge of every area of our life. And it's not He wants to boss us around, but it's about He wants to lead us to life. This whole passage, chapter 10, is referencing a verse that you guys definitely have heard, Um, Psalm 23. Anna, will you read some of Psalm 23?
1: Yes, I
0: will. So as you're looking it up, Jesus was referencing a good shepherd knowing that they would think about this verse. And here's what it says for anyone who hasn't heard this in a while.
1: Psalm
0: 23.
1: The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of
0: the Lord forever. I love it. I love it so much because it's about provision. It's about God Mm -hmm. providing for us. It's about celebration. It's about protection. It's about goodness and mercy following us where we go when we are in him and let him lead us. And so that's really what I want to leave y'all with today is I guess the reminder that when we wake up every single morning, we are like sheep. We're going to get fall back into that trench. <laughs> We're going to like do the same things over and over and over again. But God yes. wants better than that for us. He wants this good life for us. And so maybe you need a sticky note by your bed that says, remember, I am like a sheep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Remember, I'm a sheep. I'm (laughs) a sheep, but Jesus is the shepherd. Yeah. Have both. Right by your bedside. Remember, I'm a sheep. Right by your bathroom mirror. But Jesus is a good shepherd. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we can take that into our life every single day, just those two things, it's a huge start to surrendering our hearts to the good plan that he has for us. And it doesn't mean, like Anna was talking about, it doesn't mean that everything is going to go well. That's not what this yeah. is. Life is just ups and downs. That's what life is like. But Jesus wants to be with us. I love, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear because you're with me. So I mm-hmm. I just love that picture of what a life with God looks like and the fact that He even wants and is willing to lay down his life for his sheep is huge. Yeah, I think we can walk into our week encouraged with that reminder that he already knows we're sheep. He's not lingering on his disappointment over us. He is just wanting us to come back to him, and he's seeking to find us and to give us life. So that's all I have today. Anna, would you like to pray?
1: I would love to. Jesus, thank you so much for this podcast and for the chance to just talk and learn more about you. God, I pray that you would remind us that we are just like sheep and that we need you. We need you as our shepherd and our companion. Um, God, we just pray that you would continue to draw us back to you. Thank you that you don't leave us to wander alone, um, that you always come and find us and bring us home. We just say we love you, and we trust you, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.
0: All right, well, we have this new series coming up where every Tuesday and Thursday we're going to do five-minute devotionals. So they'll be really quick, just something to encourage you and bring Jesus back into your day. So be sure to check in Tuesdays and Thursdays through the end of the summer. See ya. Bye.